turn your Bibles with me to John chapter 3. I'm excited for the word that God has put on my heart for this morning. It's an interesting thing starting a new year and saying, God, what do we preach about? Because there's so many things that I would, I would like to say, and uh, I guess this is, this is draft four of saying, okay, God, there's definitely something that you have on mind, and um, been seeking him and, and praying into this morning. So I believe the message he has for us will help answer the big questions we always ask in the beginning of the year. What will I focus on? What's this year going to be like? What am I going to try and do better? It's interesting how a new calendar day is so very important to us, right? And, and yet God stands outside of time. But I believe he uses that in our, in our human orderly world to speak to us. And he does announce new things and new seasons in our lives. One of my favorite things to observe at weddings is the relationship between the bridegroom and his best man. Um, it's quite an interesting relationship. I've been to some weddings where I was also invited to the bachelors before. Some of them being very unredeemed. And uh, you have to just keep your eyes on Jesus or just get in the car and leave rather. And um, then they're very holy a, a week later in front of, the, of the, the pedestal. Those are luckily not the ones that I have officiated. I make sure that the holiness happens on both sides the party before and the party on the day. But it's interesting how the, the bridegroom best man is kind of the man of the hour at the bachelor's party, right? He's the guy that it's all about. He really doesn't care that much about, about the guy that's getting married. He just, he just speaks woes over him. It's like, Yad is your laster. This is your end. It's all those, those funny jokes that the guys make, but it's really his moment to shine as the best man and, and get all the buddies together, and, and he takes center stage in that moment, and it's really about him. But then on the wedding day, it's amazing to see how that relationship changes, because his moment is over. He had his last word. He said what he needed to say, and he's done what he needed to do to make sure that this buddy of him is going to have, hopefully, an incredible marriage going forward. And if they are very, very rebellious, and they've done all the things they wanted to do, and the best man then sights towards the side and then the groom comes in and it's opportunity for him to shine. And that's what this story is about that I'm gonna read to us this morning as we start this new year. We're gonna look at the life of John the Baptist out of the gospel according to John, which is different in account to that of Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Matthew, Mark, and Luke speaks more about John the Baptist and the actual baptism moment of Jesus where the focus is completely on Jesus and God saying, this is my beloved son. But then in the gospel of John, the apostle John took longer time to explain to us this character, John the Baptist, a little bit more. And we're gonna look at a few things that he has done and he has said. It's interesting that later on in the gospel of John, John said, there are so many things that I wish I could still tell you about Jesus. And if I had to write them, the books in the world cannot contain it. So the fact that he chose this statement and this witness of John the Baptist means that it was incredibly important. A little bit of background before we read the text is that John the Baptist was shining brightly in this moment. For over four centuries, Israel have had not a prophet like this one. Someone who stood up and started speaking the oracles 
of God again. After that moment where they were led into captivity and all of that has happened, there has been a quiet moment from the Old to the New Testament and God has been silent and out of the ashes again rises a prophet for the nation of Israel and he starts speaking. And he was like the shooting star of Judah. And we know the story how he was conceived over the same time that Jesus was and how there was a journey and a linking that needed to happen for him to prepare the way of Christ. And in this moment of being the celebrity of the hour, the prophet that Israel has been waiting for for so many times, John gets to a moment where he needs to make a choice. And that's what this story is all about. So let's read this together. John chapter three, verses 22 to 31. It'll be on the screen and I'm gonna read from the ESV. After this, Jesus and his disciples went into Judea countryside and he remained there with them and was baptizing. John also was baptizing at Aon near Salem because water was plentiful there and people were coming and being baptized for John had not yet been put in prison. Now a discussion arose between some of John's disciples and a Jew over purification and they came to John and said to him, Rabbi, he who was with you across the Jordan to whom you bore witness, look, he is baptizing and all are going to him. John answered, a person cannot receive even one thing unless it is given him from heaven. You yourselves bear witness that I said, I am not the Christ, but I have been sent before him. The one who has the bride is the bridegroom. The friend of the bridegroom who stands and hears him rejoices greatly at the bridegroom's voice. Therefore, this joy of mine is now complete. He must increase, but I must decrease. Lord Jesus, we pray that you would anoint your word this morning. And as we understand and study these things together, that you'll speak to our hearts. Lord, and that there will be an overwhelming joy this morning as you increase in our lives and increase in this year and increase in the ministry that you have called us to. And we trust you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. John's disciples were having a bit of a dilemma moment because they saw the whole thing of how John and Jesus connected and how there was a baptism moment and then John moved away to other parts where there were many waters, many streams of water to continue his baptism. But then Jesus' ministry has started and he is baptizing people as well. And here his disciples come over after the discussion with the Jew about what it means to be purified and they come to him and say, John, we just don't understand this. This doesn't quite make sense to us. You were the one who baptized him and there was a big moment and now all of a sudden he's baptizing out there but it seems like all the crowds are rushing towards him. It seems like your popularity is becoming less and less important. And they're all going to Jesus. And I can imagine John probably staring down at the river of the water and he's hearing all this calamity and the questioning around him and, 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 and wondering what's happening. And I can imagine him looking up with tears in his face and incredible joy and saying, this is exactly what it's all about. Is that it's about Jesus gaining more favor, about Jesus gaining more insight and popularity than I could ever imagine. And this is the very purpose that I was created for. And I wanna title my message this morning, Limelight and Sidelines. That Jesus is the one 
who in our lives has to stand in the limelight in every single thing. And we've got to constantly make sure that yes, we find out what we created for. Yes, we do what we meant to do, but we move to the sidelines so that the groom can come and he can meet his bride and be in an incredible relationship with them. John makes three bold statements that we're gonna look at this morning. He first says that there's just one of you and there's just one of me. And there's just one Jesus. He stopped for a moment and he said, that which is happening there is determined by heaven. Because when God created Jesus, or God and Jesus being human and coming to earth is what heaven has destined for him. And I am absolutely, completely secure in what heaven has destined for me. So turn to your neighbor and tell them, there's just one of you. You guys are always adding things to my sentences. I, I want to find out what they are. One day I'm going to find them out. What this means is that we need to understand, if we want to walk in what everything that Christ has for us, you've got to be fully who God has made and created you to be. You've got to grab hold of that calling. You've got to understand it. You've got to walk in a worthy manner of the calling that Jesus Christ has for you. And John understood it, and there were no sense of insecurity, although the people were rushing to Jesus, and he's been baptizing for much longer. He's like, go to the Messiah, go to the Christ. I happily moved to the sidelines, because he was all and fully what God has called him to be. That's what he said when he said, a person cannot receive even one thing unless it is given him from heaven. This statement comes with a challenge to us as well. It's that yes, we should grab hold of everything and the fullness that it has for us. And I look across this room and I know so many of your lives and what you do and what life has led you to do and your calling and your careers. And I get excited to understand that we can influence the city and the nation and the world because there are so many unique and different callings around this room. Isn't that beautiful? Isn't that the riches of Christ that he has given so much to this world? But the challenge therein is that we should also stop comparing. If you want to walk in the fullness that Christ has for you, that very thing, comparison, needs to fall on the wayside in your life. And that's what his disciples were doing. They're saying, you know what, this is interesting. Just we see more people flocking that way. They were comparing. And John just said, you know what, I'm very happy that this is happening. Different employments are according to the direction of divine providence. One of the commentaries says, different endowments according to the distribution of the divine grace from heaven. Each one of you has got a unique calling and a unique rising in Christ that he is pulling you into that is decided in heaven by the riches of our amazing Father and he's calling you to step and to walk in that this year. If we can be like John the Baptist, then we are clearly preparing the way for others to come and meet Jesus. If we understand what that is, and my prayer for you this year is that you would do everything in your human ability to find that, starting this week by fasting and saying, Jesus, where are you positioning me? I understand my spiritual position is sure in you, Christ, but where are you positioning me in this world to live according to the fullness that you have for me? We've got to deal with our discontentment. We've got to deal with looking around and seeing others and thinking, yes, they're lucky. Luck doesn't exist, doesn't 
It's unbiblical. Oh, yes, that's nice. It's crazy how that creeps up over the December holidays, right? When some families are having amazing holidays and you didn't get to have one and this, that's the way of the world. It's comparing. It's, the, it's the, one of the tools and, and the weapons of the enemy to come and plant those seeds. And we do the same with calling. We do the same with understanding what God has for each one of us. And I believe some of you are being shifted into something new this year where God is calling you up and saying, it's my time like John the Baptist to be sure of what he's called me to live in and to walk in it unashamedly and unafraidedly. Ephesians 4 verse 7 says it so beautifully. That does not mean that you should all look and speak and act the same. Out of the generosity of Christ, each of us is given his own gift. John 1 verse 16, we have all benefited from the rich blessings he brought to us. Blessing upon blessing he heaped upon us. We all live of his generous bounty, gift after gift after gift. In Ephesians, Paul is so clear about what he's called to do. He says this boldly. Although I am less than the least of all the Lord's people, he counted him less than the least of all of God's people. That's quite low. It's right down there. This grace, and he's sure of it, he knew what his calling was, was given to me to preach to the Gentiles the boundless riches of Christ. If you want to see a year where God uses you powerfully, and if you have this one resolution to say, God, what have you created me to do? And you run wholeheartedly after that. You're gonna be blessed to see how he's gonna use your life. A revelation that our gift is from heaven and it's for a certain purpose and a certain time and a certain place also takes away the strife. John didn't try and be John the Baptist. <laughs> he just was John the Baptist. Completely walking and everything that God had for him. And that's beautiful for him to say that. You know what? I hear your, your concerns. I, I see maybe why you are wondering why this is happening and they're baptizing there and I've been the only one baptizing here. But you know what? God has done an incredible work in my ministry. It was for an appointed time. And you know what? I just do what heaven has granted me to do. Imagine we all can do that in this new year. The second quote a statement he makes that is quite profound, and he speaks about the bride, groom, and his friend, is that there's just one source of complete joy. There are quite a lot of things that can give you a sense of joy in this world. Uh, I already confess that food are one of those things to me, but whatever it might be, you experience some joy over the season, hopefully. You experience joy maybe when you were on a holiday or spend time with a family, um, you experience joy when someone gave you a gift, when you had a great meal. But those are, are fleeting and limited and runs out. And John the Baptist makes a profound statement and he says that there's only one source of complete joy and that is Christ Jesus. Who wants complete joy this year? Complete joy, the fullness of it. It is possible to get that simply by running hard after Jesus. If your new year's hope and resolution has been, God, I want a joyful year. It is very simple to achieve that by being with Jesus. He said this, he who has the bride is the bridegroom. The bridegroom gets to enjoy the wedding feast. It's about him. But the friend of the bridegroom who stands and hears him 
rejoices greatly because of the bridegroom's voice. Therefore, this joy of mine is fulfilled. When you can position yourself in a place that what Jesus does with his bride is the thing that gives you the most joy on earth, your joy will be fulfilled. When you can get yourself to a position where you say, Jesus, nothing in this world matters more to me but seeing you coming to an encounter with people that you deeply love, then you will experience true joy in this world. It's amazing, just referring back to this message that I read from Melanie. How can a family experience true joy in the most painful moment? It's because of Jesus. Because they came close to Jesus and they introduced the bridegroom to some brides that were waiting to hear about the gospel message of Jesus Christ. And that's what it is about getting full joy in his world. As the Father has loved me, Jesus said later on in John, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. These things I have spoken to you that your joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. He said that in context of bearing fruit. He said, you've got to bear a whole lot of fruit in this world and I'm going to be working hard at you and take away the things I don't like which seems not like a whole lot of joy in the moment. But when you abide in me and I abide in you, your joy will be full because of me working in your life. And this is the revelation that this statement brings. When Jesus increases, joy increases. Full stop. Every single time there's more of Jesus in your life, I can promise you, you will experience more joy. Doesn't matter what trials you face, doesn't matter what storms you go through, that's why we chose that song, Cornerstone this morning, is to confess, through the storm, you are Lord of all. Christ alone, the cornerstone. Not that business deal that I hoped for, not that family moment that I hoped for, nothing else but Christ is the fullness of our joy. And John understood this. And he happily said, Jesus, this is for you. Bridegroom, your moment has come to be with the bride. And I'm gonna stand on the side and I'm gonna enjoy, enjoy that. And somehow it brings attention to the first part, right? Because I just spoke about, you've gotta find out what God has made you to be and live it, up, live it up fully and enjoy it fully. You've gotta understand that and live up to that. But then, it's gotta be a place where you realize it's not about my fulfillment, the only fulfillment we have is Jesus. Nothing in his world can fulfill you like him. So Jesus, therefore, I'll do all I need to do, but I understand that this is so that you can increase in people's lives, in my life, in this world, because then my joy will increase and it will be fulfilled. And then the last statement that John makes, one of my favorite verses in the Bible, speaks about increasing and de decreasing. He says that there is just one rightful center and that is Christ Jesus and to explain this to you maybe in an understanding term this morning is that when you when you when you look to the verses later on in this passage go and read them the rest of that chapter it speaks about the sovereignty of Christ that he is above all in all that he is at the center that it's all about him and this statement that John makes, I must decrease and he must increase, doesn't mean that Christ in who he is needs to become anything more because he is completely sovereign. He is completely God. He is completely the one who took away all the shame and the sin of the world. He was completely perfect, the Bible teaches. And if you can imagine for a moment that this is Jesus standing in his complete fullness, 
And then here we are. And this is what he's calling us to do. Say, Pierre, figure out what you are meant to do. Seek me in it. Understand your calling. Understand your place. And stand fully in it. But then when we sit next to one another, then I do this. And he remains right there. This is still a chair. It still looks the same. It still fulfills exactly the same purpose. But I just said, Lord Jesus, it's not about my chair or about me. It's about you standing taller and above all of that. And that's what John said when he said these words. You can read it together. He must increase, but I must decrease. He who comes from above is above all. Can we get to a place where our lives are so sure in him, our joy is so fulfilled in him, that we wanna let Jesus shine in every single thing we do, in our workplaces, in our families, when there's a difficult moment, when our kids do something amazing, we celebrate and say, well done, you've worked hard for this, but let's give the honor back to Jesus. Why don't you go and testify to your friends that Jesus is your strength and your portion and your cup, and because of that, you were able to achieve what you have achieved. When God gives you a promotion at work, or when he shifts you into a new position or a new place, do not make it about you and what you've achieved in your studies. Do celebrate that in the moment, but complete joy comes when we say, Jesus, let me bend a little bit lower so that you can shine a little bit brighter in this world. One of the words that God has put on my heart for us as a family this year is the word of influence. Here's a scripture in Obadiah and then also referred to in Jeremiah that says, I'm gonna plant you in the city, therefore seek the welfare of the city. Because in its welfare, you will welfare. We've got to get to a place where we understand that God created us to be people of influence. And then we use that influence when we are on that stage. And we shrink a little bit low and say, Jesus, you stand up and you shine bright. And I'm going to live according to that. And this is why I titled my message this. Because John 3 verse 30 in the message reads like this. This is the assigned moment for him to move into the center while I slip into the sidelines. What would this town look like? What would our families look like? What would this world look like if we grab hold of an understanding of this very thing? If people can look at you and say, yes, Pete, I see you running hard in everything that he's called you to do. And you know what? There's a joy in you that is contagious. And it never ends. And it's really true of Pete. (laughs) He just ran down the hill this morning, the mountain, and he's like, I'm here. And he's hugging everyone with two side steps and a big clap on the back. But it's because he, he's living in that fulfilled joy. He understood and he sought God and he said, God, you placed me in the company where I am at, in this community for now, in this family, and understand my role, and I'm gonna give everything to live up to everything that you've called me to be. But then in the same breath, He knows that when the moment is right, he steps out of the show and he steps way to the side, the best man. And he says, bridegroom, meet your bride. And he stands and he smiles and he celebrates and he's rejoicing because the purpose of God has happened. If we can all live like this, I truly believe we will see miraculous things happen in our midst. 
I truly just believe that the things we've not only been praying for and trusting God for and seeking for, we'll see them happen in front of our eyes because it's not before, because of my gain anymore. It's not because I need it or I want it or I desire it. It's because when that happens, I'm gonna give Him more glory and I'm gonna give Him more praise and honor because when Jesus increases, our joy increases. And when our joy increases, Jesus increases. That's the message for us this year. And I want to end with the prophetic words that were said over John the Baptist in the book of Isaiah. And this is, you can find this in the gospel of Luke and Matthew as well. I think it's in Mark too. But this is what was said prophetically over John the Baptist. It says, there's a voice of one crying in the wilderness. Prepare the way of the Lord and make his path straight. Every valley shall be filled and every mountain and hill shall be made low and the crooked shall become straight and the rough places shall become level ways and all flesh shall see the salvation of God. This is the fulfillment that happened. John prepared the way for Jesus. When we prepare the way for Jesus in our own lives and those lives around us, every high hill that's too difficult to climb shall become low. Every valley that's too deep and dark to go through shall be filled up because of Jesus. All the crooked things in our life, He will come and straighten out. And all the rough places, He will make level because He is a God of salvation. And this year we're gonna shine him to him and make him the center of our lives as we do every single time. Jesus, we pray that you increase and that we decrease this year, Lord. This day, this moment, this week, every breath of our lives, that we would say, Jesus, this is for you, for your honor, for your glory. Lord, I start by praying this morning, Father, that we would find out exactly what it is you called us to do that we would walk in that calling with joy and excitement and anticipation of the great things you have called us to. Lord, I pray that we would find the moment where we move to the sidelines and our joy are fulfilled because we point it all back to you. And I pray, Lord Jesus, that we would be a people who say it's all about the increase of Jesus in our lives, in this place, and in the world. Thank you for this promise that you would bring down the hills, that you would fill the valleys, that you would pull that which is crooked straight. Lord, and that you would level all the rough ground because of your salvation. As we enjoy your salvation this year, Father, let us not keep it to ourselves, but let us be fruit and branches who abide in your love and whose joy is completed in us and then we bear much fruit into this world. I pray now, right now, Holy Spirit, that you'll speak to every heart this morning. Lord, if there's anyone in this room who says, I just don't know what it is to be fully who God made me to be and walk in that, but right now, Holy Spirit, you would speak to them. And I want to start there. If that's you, you just say, Pierre, you know what? I hear this, but it just doesn't make sense because I just don't know. Just know that God is completely aware of that. And as you seek Him and pursue Him and run hard after Him, your picture will become clear. 
And while you seek him and pursue him and run hard after him, you could still point to Jesus and he could still become more in your life and increase in your life. If you're here this morning and you said, you know what, Pierre, I have really been trying to find my joy in everything else but in Christ Jesus. My encouragement is that you simply put him at the start of your day, every second of your day, the middle of the day, the end of the day, that you would start making him the center of all of your affections and your thoughts and your studies. And then, Lord Jesus, we all pray and we say, you increase and we decrease. And if that's your prayer this morning, if you agree with that and say, I want more of Jesus and less of me, why don't you stand with me?